This is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolfe, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Welcome to episode six. In this post-Me Too world, being a pickup artist is definitely not cool. But are there ethical strategies for getting laid that don't involve tricking people into sex? To work it out, we're talking to Greg, a pro-dom and all-round nice guy. Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that said, let's get into it. Hey folks, this is Georgie Wolf here, Melbourne escort, writer and socially awkward seductress. Welcome back to my podcast, where we talk honestly about how to have an amazing hookup. By that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating awesome sex, and walking away feeling good about yourself. Today, we're hanging out with Greg. He's a kink professional and just a generally really awesome dude. And the question I'm asking today is, is there such a thing as an ethical pickup strategy? Hey, Greg. Hey, Georgie. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a technical professional out in the real world, um, but I also has a sideline um, work as a pro-dom, um, which is a form of sex work where people enjoy kink activities. Okay, so you're so people pay you to do kink stuff with them? That's right, yep. Oh, that's awesome. How long have you been doing that for? I started that about five years or so ago, segued out of my personal life after some really good feedback about how I mm, sort of made it safe and uh, really helped people um, explore new things for them. So um, I took that as an opportunity to um, kind of offer that as a service to people more broadly. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. And speaking of exploring new things, one of the reasons that I, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast today is because you're exceptionally good, in my opinion, at making uh, new lady sexy friends. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, so if you'd left it up to me, I'd say you're extraordinarily good at picking up chicks. But I, I feel like maybe you see things slightly differently. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly hasn't been the case. So, um, so I'm uh, in my mid-40s and it's been, my life has been a very um, hmm, changeable thing. And, you know, I'm continuously learning new things. Um, even this year is kind of a new phase in my life um, after sort of experiencing different interactions and relationships and changes in the world over the past couple of years, um, bringing in new thoughts. Um, so the way you so, do things has changed a lot since when you were yeah. young. And also lately too, I feel like things have changed a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, constantly evolving. Um, and, you know, I'm in a position now to be able to look back and look back and think about the way I perceive things in my teens and 20s. And, and that sort of puts me in a position to, I really have compassion for people who are still, or who are in that mindset that I used to be in. Yeah. And, yeah. that's, and I, I can kind of see people around me it's like doing those, some of those things, like, you know, following the tropes that television and media sort of lays out for us uh, about how to engage and, you know, what works to hook up or pick up or get laid or whatever phrase you want to use. Yeah. And, um, and how flawed most of that is. And this is why we're here, right? Because I just, you know, I'm still working it out too, but I'm just getting this hunch that there are better ways we could be doing stuff. And particularly when it comes to um, picking up. So I think, I feel like most of us would be familiar with the idea of what a pickup artist is. 
Um, they're people usually guys who like really strategize around the process of getting laid. And this stuff has been around for decades. Mm-hmm. But in recent years, we've become a lot more aware that some of the stuff these guys are practicing is pretty uncool. So things like hassling women on the street, touching people that are asking, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and because Me Too has happened and we're really tuned into um, our attitude towards women in particular and our attitude towards consent, we've gotten pretty down on this stuff. I know some well-known pickup artist coaches have been banned from coming to Australia mm. because people have complained that uh, what they teach to their students encourages violence towards women. Yep. Um, as someone who's like really into picking up in general, I'm sort of curious as to whether there might be ethical strategies we can use to help our chances of picking up. Um, because obviously most of the stuff associated with pickup artistry tends to be sort of like manipulative or about about pushing someone or about tricking someone. And I'd like to know if there are things we can do that will increase our um, success rates that don't involve being a dick to other people. So I don't consider that I pick up people. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, so I, and like I'm certainly not someone who's playing a numbers game of it's like, you know, how many people can I, new people can I sleep with this week? I need to pick up more people. I'm not and, picking up enough. Yeah. yeah, or any sort of scoring type system where it's, just becomes a bit of a competition and makes the people that I would connect with some sort of object in that game. And this is the thing that um, I was talking to someone in episode four who pointed out that all our metaphors around sex are all like game related, like Mm. scoring or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think he used the phrase, any hole's a goal, which is just fucking (laughs) awful, right? (laughs) Um, But what that highlights is Mm. that for most of us, we see sex as a a game where someone wins and someone loses and as soon as you set it up like that it's like well to win the other person has to lose i have to defeat the other person or i have to Mm -hmm. like make the other person do something they want to do which is like kind of bullshit yeah and it's terrible it's terrible and it honestly leads to bad sex it totally leads to bad sex so so my approach sort of where i'm at is that um, so I consider myself a demisexual. And what, what's that, a demisexual? So that's a relatively new phrase that's um, popped up in the polyamory world and the source of so many new words. Because... What's polyamory? No way. We'll come back to that. <laughs> tell, tell us about demisexual yeah. first. So um, it's where it's important to have some element of mental, emotional connection to be able to be comfortably sexually aroused with the person. So you're not really going to be interested in banging someone until you've actually gotten to know them as a person and you know that you like who they are as a person? It's more, so like I definitely, you know, see someone across the room or walking down the street and go, wow, they're really physically sexually attractive to me. And then if I have the opportunity to engage with them, then there's still that filter there of, uh, you know, do we have any sort of chemistry um, you know, if there's something about their personality that puts me off, then that's like, yeah, you're hot, but no, I'm not interested in having sex with you. Um, whereas some people, once I start talking to them, it's like, oh, you just became so much more hot to me. You know what? This happens to me all the time when I go on first dates. Mm-hmm. There, there are inevitably a couple of things that people can do. It doesn't matter how much, how attractive someone is or like how good they are at the conversation. Mm-hmm. But occasionally something will pop out and I'll go, okay, you've it's ruined for me now. And mm-hmm. homophobia is a big one. If I'm talking to someone <laughs> and they suddenly say, yeah, but like being gay is not okay, then that's it. My libido is just like crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sort of hearing that for you, it might be not so much just keeping it out for those red flags, but actually more about the whole person and that you need to make sure that whole person sort of appeal is going on before yeah. you even want to get sexy. Yeah, yeah. And like big part of it is that I also don't want to be an object to them. Because, you know, um, a surprise 
to my 19 year old self, it's a surprise that girls go out to pick up guys. It's like, I didn't think that was a thing when I was 19. Yeah, um, right. It's like, girls, girls don't want sex and it's only boys that want sex. But... I think there's a lot of people <laughs> who still feel that way now. Like mm. we feel like girls don't really want sex. Therefore, the only way you're going to get, get to have sex with them is if you trick them. Exactly. It's the, the girls are the, the the keepers of the sex, and you've got to sort of break into Fort Knox and steal what you can. Storm the castle. Storm the castle, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, and you know, honestly, I've seen women leap on you, right? <laughs> which is why you're here. So I know that that's not true. I, we know, and you know, that women uh, there are women out there who really do want sex and who will um, who will go after what they want, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, and so the biggest core thing that I've found and worked out over the years is that people just want to feel safe and not threatened, particularly in context of the Me Too stuff. But once you start thinking about it and looking at how people interact on the street, um, that's so often all of my female friends tell me about how just walking down the street, they're just constantly on alert for um, either... Uh, comments or observation like or people staring at them or trying to contact and get in contact approaches. with them and yeah. in fact although i said that pickup artistry is is frowned on these days it's actually still common and i have a friend she runs a facebook group called bad dates of melbourne <laughs> yes. um, and she's picked up from her followers a lot of reports of like groups of guys going out to pick up on Swanston Street, right. that it happens a lot there. Yep. And then I have another friend who was in a bookshop recently and she kept on getting approached by guys in this particular spot. And after a while she realized that it must have been a whole group of them that had gone out to have a crack together. And it was a really uncomfortable mm-hmm. feeling like the whole room was filled with guys that were just sizing her up. So it, it mm-hmm. still happens, right? Yeah, and that's that sort of plays into that sort of game sport mentality. like. It's and it's it's really gross. It, it, it's the hunt. Yeah, well, right. and, and in that regard, they're hunting as a pack, which is even more gross. It's a bit intimidating. Like, go, yeah, the idea of going out hunting for people is distressing. But when there's a lot of people together in a group, especially a lot of guys, when mm. you're a girl, it can suddenly start to feel a bit unsafe. Even if even if those guys have the best of intentions and they'd never do anything, we don't know that. All mm. we see is like ten blokes. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, like from a um, guy's perspective, sometimes uh, getting uh, crossing paths with a wild hen's night that's out in the city, um, that is can be just as confronting. Yeah, I can totally <laughs> see that. In fact, I have been out on one or two hen's nights where the, the ladies have engaged in very, very unacceptable behavior when it yeah. comes to touching other people without asking. Yeah, and, fact- and I think that's a really important point of the conversation is that this isn't a gendered issue in that... Um, like it's not just guys who are being who, who can be um, predatory totally. and disrespectful. It's people. People can do that. It's just that in most cases, because the inherent power balance, blah blah blah, um, it's mostly come. We uh, see more of it. Yeah, right? yeah. I would like to point out also that um, a lot of the sex advice given to women in women's magazines, um, although it might not be quite as sexually aggressive. It's still all about tricking and manipulating. Mm. It's like how to make a guy call you back, how to make a guy fall in love with you, mm-hmm. how to make a guy say I love you. It's basically um, it's the same shit, different package. It's mm-hmm. how can I manipulate the person I'm interested in to giving me what I want. And I just don't know whether that's firstly whether that's it's ethical, but also whether it actually even really works. Yeah, that well. if we do want to hook up with people, whether trying to manipulate them into doing that is is going to be the best for all of us yeah no anytime there's manipulation and pretense um i 
it's going to end badly. Like you might have a good time as a short time, but if one of the parties is interested in anything more than just that uh, one night stand, then anything that's false in that moment is going to come back and bite you. I think that even if you are only interested in one night stand, anything that's false will still get in the way. So like, you know, we're we're really good at tuning into the general vibe. And if someone's vibe is that they're desperately trying to be someone that they're not or that they're trying to manipulate or trick someone and that there's there's something going on behind the scenes we're not Mm. aware of. And we we don't know what it is, but we know that that person is not legit. And Mm. I, I think that most of us have a really good radar for that, even though we're not um, fully aware of it. Totally. If, if someone's trying to manipulate us, we we know something's up, right? Yep, totally. And that's sort of a, some relatively recent experience I've, um, I've had where uh, I was traveling internationally and, you know, being the older white guy on a plane um, and interact, interacting with people randomly. So, you know, if some lady ends up sitting next to me, um, noticing the difference between uh, if I just like, am quiet and hold my space and you know acknowledge them but don't make a um point of interacting with them and acknowledging acknowledging them um that the openness for them to have a conversation with me um is far greater than if i sort of directly engage it's like oh hey how you doing oh so you're young you're traveling by yourself blah 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 oh. it's like oh red flag red flag red flag oh my god so so being able to um just sort of sit there and say hey and then pretty much you know ignore each other as just another person um that then has created resulted in some amazing conversations so this is almost sounding like a little bit and maybe these these aren't the right words. But maybe this is almost sounding a little bit like a potential pickup strategy. So it, it you, is. you have just said that you don't necessarily consider yourself someone who picks up or hooks up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you don't really do one night stands because you need to develop that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. But do you ever go out with the intent of meeting new people? Hopefully, people you're going to have a connection with. And when you do, is there a particular mindset? Are there any particular strategies that you sort of hang on to as you're getting out there? So I don't actually think i'd go out with the intent but because that's kind of predatory like where you're it's like i need to go and fulfill this need. and that's setting up that that sort yeah. of sporting analogy like yeah. you know i need to score or this needs to happen so hmm. so letting go of that idea of an outcome and just yeah. being open to whatever might happen exactly that's the thing that, that that i um now wherever i am in the world i'm always open to connection um and that sort of example about being on the plane that's uh basically creating a sense that i am no threat um and like i'm not um, preying on someone uh, then really increases the chance that they're going to be open to talking to you and the core of it is that the hack actually you really got to embody that and be genuine about it because if you're just pretending to not be a threat that's um the moment you flip into direct engagement, they'll pick up on that straight and, away, and yeah, will run away. And if you've, you know, and we're talking about you know ethical moves, a key is that you need to leave them a safe out. So the difference. So to use the plane analogy. If I'm sitting in the window seat and they're sitting in the aisle seat, that's far less threatening to them than if I'm sitting in the aisle seat and they're sitting in the window seat. Because if they're in the window seat, they have to get past me to escape so they're kind of trapped they they rightfully feel trapped well, because they, they are be. they are physically trapped so this is kind of um 
to you, the the point you just made, this is kind of like fits in with my theory about what creepy is. <laughs> yes. And and my my idea is that um the difference between creepy and not creepy is that when you go into a situation and you have an ulterior motive where you're thinking about what you want, yep. that's creepy. So if you see someone and immediately start thinking, I wonder if I can fuck them, you're only thinking about what you want. You're not mm. thinking about whether they want that or what they might want out of their interaction with you or whether they even want to interact with you at all. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you as soon as you go in only thinking about that, people get creeped out because they know they know you want something out of them and that you're not thinking about them. Yeah, but a fine line on that is that it's okay to have desires. Yeah, right. So it's okay to go as like, actually, I'm really attracted to this person and I hope that they might be interested in me as well. But you need and to be thinking the, about that's, their, that's their that needs also. That's that difference is, yeah, thinking about, I hope that they might be interested in me. Let's find out if they're interested in me. Oh, they're not interested in me. Okay, moving on. So rather than like, that person's really attractive, I really want to have sex with them. It's something more like that person is really attractive. I wonder if they might be interested mm-hmm. in having sex with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's like, is this going to, can this be a mutual thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a big part of it's like a lot of people, I think, are, you know, demisexual to some extent um, that once they relax, then they, and it relax with a person, then openness to arousal happens. Yeah. So if you uh, if you look around and I remember, you know, growing up, it's like, oh, why did why did girls always go for the bad boys? And a big part of it was that they were having fun, like they were doing activities which were fun and like being interesting and exciting and sort of playing together. And then incidentally, out of that, they possibly off went went off and had sex. As opposed to all this pressure where you feel like you're being put under pressure to to live up to someone else's need or expectation that it's the elephant in the room, right? It makes everything really uncomfortable. And equally, you know, being the nice guy where you just um, hang around and you do all the nice things and you're actually beige and it's not that fun and interesting. So it's just kind of becomes obvious why you're hanging around or that you just, you know, to use that terrible phrase, friend zoned, they just go, well, you know, this is just a person who's nice to me. Okay. There's um, nothing else to it. And they're just hanging around it. because they want to get into my pants. Exactly. So it's, so it's almost sounding like setting out with a an intent, I want to sleep with someone tonight or I want to pick up tonight, could actually be a disadvantage when it comes to actually connecting with people yeah. that are right for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Many years ago, I remember talking about this sort of thing with the guys I used to go out to clubs with when, you know, 19, 20, and um, one of them said, oh, yeah, there's this guy that um, he always keeps, um, like, some money in his pocket and is happy to, well, stop at the brothel on the way home if he hasn't picked up oh, at, at the club. takes so, the pressure off. So, and as a result then it takes the pressure off and um, he generally managed to find someone to connect with. Damn, I wish I could do that. Like, <laughs> I, wish, I wish they had all, all male brothels so I could have that option. Yeah, you're right. And I really hate that. So my, my philosophy normally, if I go out and I see someone that I think is really interesting, um, I'll, I'll be interested in finding out whether they're interested in interacting with me. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, I have this sort of pact with myself that at that point, I'll just give it up. It's not a case of, fine, I'll, I'd better move on to the next attractive person and go for them instead. I want to take that pressure off because if I feel like I have to pick up, otherwise I'm a failure, all I'm doing is like, firstly, it's, it's a bit gross, but also just moving through this succession of less and less preferential partners so that I can tick <laughs> that box. And then what I end up doing is taking someone home that's completely wrong for me and the sex yep. is shit and everyone feels awkward. And that person feels used and they were used because mm. I needed 
to tick the box. And so I grabbed them just because they were available yep. and nobody likes that feeling. Right? Yeah. 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 And that interaction afterwards, you know, the, the morning after waking up and going, ah, uh, why am I here with this person? I need to get them out as quickly as possible. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that just sours everything that happens. So, um, and fortunately I don't think I've ever been in that position where I've connected with someone and I'm like, why am I with you? Oh, good on so, you. I've done, I've been terrible. I've been so bad. So when I was younger, mm-hmm. I did have that that you'll do attitude and then the next morning or that night the now go away attitude and I'm pretty mm. sure I, I hurt some people's feelings pretty badly mm. because it's that moment where you realize that the person that's taken you home it's that it's not about you it's not because they like who you are as a person that they really did just want to um, you know get laid and now that you've fulfilled that function you don't mean anything to mm-hmm. them like whether that's a relationship or just a one-night stand you feel mm-hmm. shit about it right yeah totally and I've had that with the uh, past um, girlfriend lover that um, was at her place and uh, we uh, had sex hooked up and then sort of pretty much straight after she's like all right you need to go now and I, I was like whoa where, where did that come from and yeah that that was pretty brutal I think I think my problem was when I was younger is that mm. I didn't think that oh this is going to sound so bad I'm really embarrassed <laughs> to tell you this um, I didn't That's think, okay, I won't tell anybody. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't think that guys had feelings. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know how we're told women sex don't machines. really... Yeah, like guys just want sex mm-hmm. and they don't really care mm-hmm. um, who it's with and therefore it's okay to treat them like shit because mm-hmm. after you've had sex with them, you can kick them out and they won't care. But they do. We all mm-hmm. do. Like we totally. all want to be treated like people. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, this is what women are screaming about at the moment. We want to be treated like people. And that applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be treated like a person. So I kind of feel like being, uh, you say, being demisexual mm-hmm. and really wanting to tune into the person. Mm. I feel like maybe that's, we need that, you know? Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally. And like I'm now sort of, come from that uh, scarcity model um, where you feel like, ah, oh, I need to find or connect with someone because if I don't, then I'll never connect with anyone ever again. Yeah, right. Um, into the abundance model of, yes, there will, there is and there will be people that I can um, connect with, which takes the pressure off. And it also puts me in a really amazingly powerful position for sometimes when a, women interact with me who are just really predatory and um, self-focused about it, and not really that interested in me, um, then I can sort of go, actually, this doesn't feel right and walk away. Whereas you would have and felt pressure. I absolutely. To- definitely feel the pressure and um, they surprisingly get aggressive and shamey and all of the things that we you know, gen- very broadly see as a male attribute um, and in society. But it's like, no, again, it's people. It works both ways. It's people. And we're and all trained like, to see sex as Yeah, it's like, how, the, how the dare a guy not want to have sex with her? Yeah, yeah, and this, this like no one likes rejection, mm-hmm. and everyone, um, everyone thinks of sex as a as getting something for ourselves mm. sometimes, and not not something that we do with another person that wants to be doing that stuff with us. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you make that shift? How did you make the shift from? I was about to say from any holes a goal, but I don't think you were ever <laughs> quite there, were you? How did you make the shift from scarcity, scarcity model to just being open to whatever comes along? Uh, a lot of different experiences and a lot of self-reflection um honestly a big part of it did come when i did manage to make some connections and started to get some insights and importantly making connections with uh quite empowered women like um who really gave me an insight to and are able to happy happy to talk about it gave me an insight into um the 
uh, girls, women's, females perspective um, about growing up and life, which, um, so I grew up as a guy in the country and was really, really isolated from the female perspective. Like I had women on this pedestal um, and it took me until you know, 19 or something that I realized like, oh, wow, women can be jerks. And that was a huge realization to me. And this is part of women are people, right? Seeing mm. women as people, also acknowledging that people of all genders can be jerks. Exactly right. right. And that, that just became this big shift because it, um, I, 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 like I really cared and liked women, and, but I had them on this pedestal as this mystical creature. Um, and that that was unhealthy as well like as much as i was and i was being a nice guy um so getting to that point where i go actually some of them can be jerks it's like huh that really um funnily enough humanized them and enabled me to think Mm. about um start to go well hang on when i have this experience i feel like this so therefore they might have that same sort of experience you you can relate and start to empathize and relate as people that's super interesting because i never really thought about the fact that seeing women as as mystical, amazing, magical creatures is just as dehumanizing as seeing them as, uh, as you know, receptacles for your. Hmm. Uh, okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> just seeing them as a goal, seeing them as, as someone you want to fuck, and yep. not actually as a person. But it is right. Being treated hmm. like a fragile, feminine snowflake is just as insulting as being treated as someone's like fuck toy, basically. Yeah, totally. And like, honestly, I'm in the phase where I'm saying fuck Disney. It's like the Disney paradigm just um, is so toxic that, um, you know, think about most of the stories, guy kisses sleeping girl, consent, um, she wakes up happily ever after. (laughs) And it's like, well, hang on, how do they happily ever after? And, you know, there's also like, toxic masculinity thing and body image issues in there it's like well if the guy's not the handsome prince then he's got no chance right right but then also the idea that once you've done the right thing or once you've got the girl or whatever mm. then they're just there and they're Happily this, this accessory right yeah there's no discussion of of, of actually interacting with women yeah. as people so that that's a big shift to you realizing that women are assholes it's like no they're actually people like me like i can relate <laughs> yes. to that asshole stuff yeah totally relatable yeah absolutely and and did it change things for you in terms of your successes and I don't necessarily mean your success rate as in oh I picked up more but just in terms of your sex life do you feel like it improved when you let go of that idea of scarcity and that idea that women were um you know were sort of yeah people yeah definitely like um it started to like even subtle things like where ongoing most most of my lovers I uh, try to create as ongoing engagements rather than just one night stands hence why i say like i'm i don't pick up so much i yeah, connect yeah. connect but don't pick up um but getting past that thing where you know the sex needs to happen now and allowing that time bodies health distractions it's like um we might be heading towards sex but maybe it's um maybe it's not right or maybe we need to pause and then reshift and or um, particularly since I do kinky stuff, like maybe we need to be less kinky tonight um, or more kinky. Oh, I don't know. And just so. allowing like the natural process to take its course mm. because we're human beings are designed for connection and interaction and we're designed for sexy stuff with the people that are right for us. And if mm. people are right for us, we're going to gradually move towards that 
Whereas I think a lot of the old school pickup artistry stuff um, was like, oh, we need to we need to manipulate people and control that process. But mm. I think maybe the more you try and control the process, mm. maybe the more likely it is to run off the rails. Maybe the better we're, we are at tuning into that natural process of this person feels right for me, yeah. the more likely that is to actually work. Yeah, totally. And this circumstance. And so, um, again, around creating a, a sense of a safe space um, or that I am safe for the person that I'm engaging with. Um, I find that as a really recurring theme where um, when I'm engaging with people that they feel pressure and stress to be a bit performative. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I read this great article about the sex escalator recently. It's it's something along those lines. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I could could have been responsible for that one. It was great. So just to fill people in, we did just do an episode on the sex escalator. But um, in case you missed it, the sex escalator is the idea that we do sex, we're supposed to do sex the same way every time. And that once you start this process, you, you have to see it through to the end. You're not allowed to slow down or stop. And this doesn't suit a lot of people because the way we do sex is different for everyone mm-hmm. and also if halfway through you decide that maybe you want to slow down or that you're not into it anymore it's really really hard for us to stop yeah and yeah. Uh, and you, the way you're framing this is that in terms of creating safety yeah so it's like reassurance that's like okay let's where are you where are you at right now like the difference of if you've say you've connected out at a bar or something like that and and it's like hey yeah you want to come back to my place let me come back to your place yeah sure and then you get back there and it's like hey how like where are you at right now is this where you want to go and um and reassuring it's like i am actually completely okay to to just stop and like if things have changed whether it you know it could be health you know you could suddenly have hit the wall and it's like i'm just too tired for this right now um but i so probably my key pickup move in air quotes is um that my instated goal is that if i'm connecting with someone i'm connecting with them because i like them which means i want to see them again so it's more important to me that um i have the opportunity to see them again rather than particularly having sex with them this one time at and if that means that we never see each other again i'm more interested in potentially um, playing again and if we do something my goal is to leave us wanting more because that means that they're going to want to see me again and I'm going to want to see them again and we'll both have a positive memory of what happens and sort of and no regrets so it's a bit like you know the the standard approach of just trying to get laid is like a um like you know sort of slash and burn approach (laughs) you you might get there if you put a lot of pressure on someone you might you might get into their pants people are really Mm -hmm. bad at saying no and often as women we do feel unsafe and we will go along with things rather than say no because we're scared or nervous Mm. or we don't have the words but then it does leave a really bad taste in your mouth and your chances of um, keeping that person around is pretty much zero if they felt uncomfortable when they're having sex with you and I know that happens with guys as well it's not just a woman thing because I have pressured guys into having sex um, when I was younger and yeah didn't see those guys again because why would they want to hang out with someone who was just trying to get something out of them so yeah. you're you're looking at the the sort of long-term uh, nurturing yeah. approach of that relationship yeah that's a great attitude I'm actually reminded um, in the world of marketing mm-hmm. there's this idea that it's a lot cheaper to retain an existing customer mm-hmm. than to attract a new customer totally um, so I, I don't know maybe that's a good attitude to apply to our lovers and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of security in having a network of lovers or ex-lovers and friends that you play with, um, 
where you have a good connection and you like them and you know they're safe um, and not having any pressure to see them all the time but having mm. these people around so that you're not always just getting back on Tinder um, because you need <laughs> to get laid that you know yeah. there are people available that, yeah. that want to be with you also. Yeah, and those those people are like they've been the ones that have been the source of reflection that has provided insight for me and sort of as what's have helped me constantly evolve and shift my thinking. So, um, you know, as... Uh, one night stand there's very few people who are going to give you any sort of useful feedback unless it's extremely negative it's like your yelp reviews are always going to be pretty negative i've started so. uh, putting people on the spot now and mm-hmm. after we're lying together in bed after our one night stand i'll say hey so like i like to do a bit of a debrief after this stuff uh-huh. is that okay and then they look at me super weird because no one does this shit and and these are words that i've borrowed from uh, one of my friends but i say okay there are three questions i like to ask like, what did you like about what we just did? Um, what would you do differently if we did it again? And what's one thing you like about your partner? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to lie there for a minute and think about it. <laughs> and then we talk about things we liked and didn't like, which yep. gives them an opportunity to say if something went wrong for them yeah. or if I did anything that mm-hmm. um, that made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not how we normally do it. Normally, they just sneak out in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really good to ask whether it's a one-night stand or whether it's an ongoing relationship to find out if we did mess up or if there are better ways that we could be doing stuff. Totally. And it's, it's a lot easier if those people are around in the long term. So you've got that <laughs> extra safety as well. Yeah, but it's not saying that everything needs to every interaction needs to be a long-term thing like it's it's just a really great sort of baseline goal of planning or behaving and setting up the expectation that if it does become an ongoing connection then it's going to be positive like rather than slash and burn as you say um so i always i also identify as a neophile like i enjoy engaging with new people and um some people put it out there as you know enjoying the chase um but it's not that i enjoy the chase i just enjoy new engagements and because finding it's interesting f- well yeah i'm um i really enjoy uh, getting insights into new people's um minds and experience and life and a big part of that is like well i enjoy the flirtation like just that sensation of flirtation, which everybody then is a, um, takes as a bit of a sex escalator. I was like, ooh, this is really arousing. I was like, now I want to head towards sex. Oh, I didn't get sex. So therefore it was all pointless and bad. It's like, but no, no, no. Actually, it's quite fun, en- right? Enjoy the, enjoy the flirt. And it's connection. And that connection yeah. is fun. Yeah, that's And it right. makes you feel sexier. It makes me feel sexy anyway, flirting with someone, even if I know that that we don't intend to progress it any further. Yeah, and yeah. And it's good practice too. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And being able to train yourself in a way to um, recognize um, as arousal comes up and that bit of hunger comes up, being able to go, it's like, ha, huh, yeah, it's like I kind of, I feel that pressure to pursue, but now I'm going to step back. Step back and slow down. And step back and slow down, yeah. So when you do set out to, um, to meet new people, Mm-hmm. It sounds like you do have a little, a few little strategies that are popping mm. up. And the first one that I heard from you was creating safety. Mm-hmm. So uh, both physically, making sure that the other person feels physically safe, but then also introducing safety by saying things like, hey, you know, um, I'm open to what we get up to, or mm. if we don't have sex, it's totally cool. And that sort of thing, making it clear that, that you're, uh, you don't, you're not going to put pressure on them. Yeah. So but, and an important point in there is that I can't make anyone feel safe. I can't make anyone feel anything. Good point. All I can do is manage myself in such a way that gives them an opportunity to feel safe. Yeah. So, you know, I can certainly do things which are obviously going to make people threatened. So if I literally corner someone, you know, and, and I see it, you see it a lot of times where 
if a girl is leaning or a person is leaning against the wall and someone comes up to hit hit on them and leans over them and puts their hand on the wall beside their head oh. and particularly if in they're, they're in a corner of a room or yes. there's some something that physically means they have to push past it's like yes right there is entrapment and threat and a complete lack of safety and security i actually screamed at a guy in a nightclub last year mm. because i uh, I think we we exchanged a little comment in passing. We had a little chat and then he hit on me and I said, no, man, not down for that. And I moved away. Mm -hmm. But then when I went to get a drink and he was at the bar, mm -hmm. he wouldn't let me leave. He stepped in front of me in the club mm -hmm. so that I couldn't get around. And I tried to step around him mm -hmm. and he stepped so that he was still in my way. Yep. And at that point, because I was scared, I lost my shit and screamed at him and then he ran away. Yep. Um, but he, he was making me scared because yep. he was he was stopping me from exiting at a time when I felt threatened. Yep. So as far as pickup tricks go, yep. avoiding anything that's going to put someone in that situation mm -hmm. uh, is super important. Yeah, yeah. And then it's sounding like um, a second strategy for you is also really abandoning the scarcity, scarcity model and not going into a situation with any preconceived goals because people do pick up on those goals, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you've got sort of pressure and hunger, then that is obvious. Like people can pick up on that. The vibe, right? Yeah, totally. Even, even if we're not paying attention, I think I think we do pick up on it. But particularly mm. women who are very, very culturally trained to pick up on any sign of a threat. Mm -hmm. Sometimes any sign of pushiness or neediness will come across as something mm. that needs to be avoided because it makes us a bit uneasy. And yeah. I can't speak from a guy's perspective, but I imagine may, that maybe the times that I've been really pushy and grabby and it, that sort of thing, um, that that might be coming across as a little bit unsafe too. Maybe it's a bit wobbly. Yeah, totally. And it is like... Because, you know, existing as a guy in this world, um, there is, like, I definitely feel uh, recognized now the huge privilege of just generally feeling safe where in those times where I have um, suddenly felt unsafe from a, a woman's attention, that that was really surprising and confusing. And I was like, oh, hang on, I'm feeling unsafe. This is weird. How, how am I supposed to deal with this? And there's a, a really interesting sort of process of working through that that goes on. Yeah, yeah, Totally. I can really, I can relate to that so much. It's just nice to put words to it because often mm. I think we feel this stuff and we don't really know what's going on. All we know is something's not right. Mm. It's nice to be able to put your finger on it and go, mm -hmm. okay, no, vibe not right. I'm getting weird vibe from this person or I'm getting pushy vibe. Mm. Yeah. And once we've yeah. zeroed in on that, it becomes, we can give ourselves more permission easily to get away. Yep. Or if you feel that you're doing that to someone else and you pick up, pick up on it, then you can shift out of that mm. and that's really going to help. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of like um, pressuring the domineering positioning type things like the difference between domineering and dominance like people generally are attracted to powerful people and dominant people but when you're domineering where you are trapping someone or controlling them against their will is very very different to being dominant and assertive within yourself it's like people are drawn to people who are present strongly and confidence right yeah which is different to people who are present aggressively completely different and this is um this might seem a little bit weird also but one of the things i find most sexually attractive in a dude is when i tell them no or i set a boundary and they respect that mm. because you have to be so confident in yourself to hear a no and go yep okay so if if a guy's like oh you should come over and talk to me and i say look i i can't right now i'm busy and he says oh yeah okay like thanks for being honest Mm -hmm. uh, he's like he's just like 
mm. gone up in my estimation, but also I just think that's incredibly sexy. And I can mm-hmm. actually become interested in someone because I said no or set a boundary and they immediately said, oh, okay, thanks for your boundary or thanks for being honest or, mm. yeah, I totally respect that. Like, you know, if you happen to change your mind, I'm right here. And at that point, um, I'm, I'm all for that. Mm. Uh, and, and that, that last bit is really important, like being a, it's okay to express interest and desire. And like to be able to go up to someone and say, hey, I'm finding you interesting or right. whatever. It's like, hey, what brings you here tonight? Would you like to talk? And if the person goes like, no, I'm not, um, no, I'm not interested or go away. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I like you, but I'm, and I'll be over here if you want to come talk. And that's the best and possible way to demonstrate yeah. that you have that, that confidence and that you have that, that vibe with it. Mm. Yeah. And that's yeah. the difference between being domineering and being dominant. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm assertively and comfortably. It's like, well... You know, I'm not, I have been rejected, but I'm not feeling rejected. Um, and I'm just leaving it on the table that even though you've rejected me, if you, if you happen to change your mind, I'll be over here. Come talk to me. And I think that's um, circumstances I've come across in the past where there's an, almost a, a knee-jerk rejection that I find uh, that women tend to do when you approach them that um as a kind of a defense measure and a test uh, too and they a test be yeah you. absolutely and if you then take that as a like that's rejected that definitely if you get shitty about it it's not going to go yeah. well but but if you go well hang on that that's that door is closed and um you completely make yourself unavailable then if they process it and they find and they interact with you later and then they suddenly go, oh, actually, I've kind of changed my mind about you or about this situation. Um, If you've closed that door, then they can't follow up with you. And this particularly applies to getting shitty. So I think when Mm. people hear hear no, often, because we're really bad at hearing rejection, (laughs) we act like spoiled kids uh, or we get defensive or angry. Mm. And at that point, you've just failed the test. Whereas uh, being rejected happens to everyone. It happens to everyone when we try and pick up. And if you can accept that rejection gracefully and then retreat and genuinely give that person space and give Mm. them the boundary they've asked for, Mm -hmm. sometimes they actually change their mind. Sometimes they decide that uh, that you are a good prospect simply because you've demonstrated that you're a good person mm. it's not guaranteed you can't make people like you by being a one of the good guys mm. look i'm i'm giving you space now you have to have sex with me mm. but by but but definitely a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot because we put down a boundary we say not right now or i'm not really that interested mm-hmm. and then they act like total sooks and then then i end up thinking well you've just demonstrated that you are a bad choice and there's you know mm-hmm. even though i wasn't super keen before now i'm really not keen yep Um, whereas actually just stepping back and going, yeah, okay, this happens all the time. It's fine. You never know what's going to come around later. Right? Yeah, exactly. And just again, taking the stress out of the situation, totally taking the drama out of the situation. So you need to genuinely give people an out and they need to genuinely feel that you're going to respect them saying, no, I'm up for that. Mm. And then often, often setting that up means that people who are inclined to maybe follow through with that are much more likely. Yeah, absolutely. You. And yeah. That, that comes about it being, as when you say genuine, like that needs to be something that you are really okay with. Like it's okay to be disappointed that like you're not going to have great sex tonight. That's, that's completely and fine. And rejection's hard. And rejection's hard. But just on the broader scheme, it's like going, hey, you know, I talked to this person and that didn't go anywhere. It's like, oh, well, it's looking like I'm going home alone tonight. And just go, well, that's just how it is. Like you, you really need to sit with that that's okay. Um, another one that I was just thinking about is when you compromise yourself, uh, when you obviously um, compromise your own standards, like if someone says, comes back to you and says, yeah, I'd like to do this sort of thing. And then you start to go, oh, 
Well, I was with my mates and we had some sort of deal about getting home together. Like I'm the, I'm the designated driver and um, it's like, oh, no, screw them. I'm just going to ditch them for the sake, <gasps> sake of this where, wow. you, where you compromise your own standards. That's also a, 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 a I've seen that be a turnoff. It's very unattractive or even mm. like compromising your own standards around the person. Mm. If, if the person says, oh, yeah, sure, I'll have sex with you. But first, I, I need to hang out with my friends for a few more hours. And I expect you to just sit there on that bar stool <laughs> and wait. And if the, if the guy goes, oh, yeah, OK, fine, even though he's clearly uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're if you're putting yourself through something and not looking after your own needs, that's not very sexy. I, no. I want to be with someone who values their needs as well. Yep. And this is something Mark Manson talks a lot about in his book Models, which is kind of a pickup manual, but it's okay. also kind of about just being a better person <laughs> and that that's attractive to women. Yep. So he talks about neediness mm. and neediness is a very unattractive characteristic. Yep. Um, and what happens is if you're willing to sacrifice your health or safety or needs just to get laid, uh, that's going to turn the other person off anyway. Sometimes it's mm. better to actually be assertive and say, okay, well, these are my standards. This is what I need. And the other person will respect you. Um, and that, that respect in your confidence is, is really sexy. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you would give to someone who is feeling a bit stuck in this, fuck, I need to get laid. I'm under pressure. I don't know how to, I don't know how to get out of that headspace. I don't know how to sit back and try a different way. So I'm reflecting back to um, sort of, you know, late teens, early twenties mm-hmm. when all the hormones are raging and there is that really strong drive. I believe firmly that it comes, the primal drives come from within our body and it um, is kind of hard to battle because we don't talk about it a lot in society so my big piece of advice is to be aware that that's going on um, and that you still have some responsibility for how you present that but you know that doesn't mean that you can't like if you're at a club or something you can't be open to a flirtation it's just whether you try and create uh, an interaction where there isn't one like where, you, where you're it's like trying to drive your point home. That's that's the big takeaway, I think, is yeah. like be open to it um, and see, like, you know, if you have, if you share a glance with someone across the room, then there's an opportunity as opposed to going up to someone and putting yourself in the Trying face, to force a connection when none's there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we don't have control over where the connection happens. We can only sort of create the space for it hmm. and then sort of sit back and, and help it, like nurture it, help it be there. But if it's not there, no amount of, pick up artist's fucking strategy is going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, so totally. that's that's the difference, right? Yeah. We've unpacked some really good stuff. Thank you so much for talking about yeah, no this. No worries. This has been great. I didn't even need to I, look I, at I my wish notes. I, I wish that someone had told me all this when I was 19. Me too, man. <laughs> me too. I would have been much less of an asshole, so much less. Uh, but very much appreciate you hanging out. Um, think you're a legend. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. As with all my encounters, I love hearing feedback. You can find me online at artofthehookup.com and that's also the place to go to learn more about my book project. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think would benefit from hearing this stuff. Spread the word as well as the love and let's make the world of hookups a better place.